Amen. Hey, once again, we're in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. Number 13, John, the Murific guy tonight. Charismatic chaos, that's right. The untold history of the charismatic movement. Now, by way of recap, because we don't have a workbook, I mean, we do in theory, it's around here somewhere, but we're not there yet, right? We've got to apply some mountains of faith, right? But we've already dealt with the disclaimer, not saying that everybody's a charismatic is involved in the occult. Uh, the movement itself is nothing new, okay? The gibberish issue, uh, supposedly speaking in tongues, that's, that's nothing new. Uh, we dealt with the spiritual gifts for quite some time. We saw that basically some are permanent, but some are temporary, and that's the big rub and the problem. Then we dealt uh, extensively with their aberrant behavior of the charismatic community, and we dealt with the slain the spirit, the drunk in the spirit, the grave soaking or grave sucking, take your pick, angel feathers, gold manifestations, and the glory cloud. Now, of course, all those had no biblical basis, even though they wanted to say it was and it's leading people not only astray but these are some of the techniques they get people to come and give them their money and increase their ministry and we're going to get into that aspect again tonight then last time if you're here we dealt with the first aberrant belief we went from the behavior to the belief the aberrant belief and the first one was female pastors okay and not only in the charismatic movement what's concerning to me is even in the so-called evangelical church they're starting to slide Okay, and some major denominations have completely slid, not only on the homosexuality issue, but now even on this, the church authority issue. Now, what we saw there is the Bible repeatedly says over and over again, not some isolated passage, but multiple times, that when it comes to pastors, i.e. those who hold authority in the church, that it's always to be a male. Remember that incredible passage we saw? He, 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 I'm not laughing. That's how many times just in 1 Timothy 3, it's... It said to the male reference to the pastor okay over and over again and it was 10 times there it says he 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 not she not she okay he repeatedly and that's not even counting the word they use husband of one wife not wife of one husband okay etc uh, but then that's just first timothy 3 second uh, timothy 2 clearly said that women are not to have authority over men how do you get around this right and then that's uh, dovetailed and repeated again in titus and again first timothy Second Timothy and Titus are what's called the pastorals, the pastoral books, the books that are written to young pastors, young pastor Timothy and Titus, right? So Paul's telling them, here's how the structure in the church is supposed to be. God is not being sexist. Excuse me. Think about what you're saying when you resist what the scripture clearly says, that there is not to be such a thing as a female pastor. In essence, are you saying that God did something wrong? Okay, or somehow he's, you know, a sexist, or that's crazy. God never does nothing wrong. Rather, what we saw is God is following the pattern from the very beginning, the Genesis account, the creation account, that Adam was created first, then Eve as a helpmate, and they're both equally important. They're just different roles, but Adam is the headship, not only in the church, but also in the home. But the charismatic movement, not only the feminist movement, but the charismatic movement comes along and says, oh, I don't, basically, in essence, I don't care what God says. This is what we think it is. They try to spiritualize it. They take con uh, scriptures completely out of context and, and, and say that you and I somehow are uh, missing out, okay, and being fuddy-duddies or, again, that we hate women and all that. So it has nothing to do with that. And actually what we saw as we move on, uh, this desire for the ladies to rule over men, where did that come from? It actually came as a result of the curse there in Genesis 3. We saw that God says that as a result of the curse, after they sin, what's going to happen? Eve, here's something that you're going to have to fight with the whole existence and all ladies. Your desire will be to rule over your husband. And so the charismatic community in essence is actually helping ladies to actually encourage the curse. Not a good thing. 
okay? But as we left off last time with the one uh, famous quote-unquote female so-called pastor of the charismatic movement, Paula White, okay, and we left off that she got a word from God. That's right, God told me to tell you about this money, and you need to sow a seed. And then remember that? Because I was reading Psalm 126, and God told me if you sow a seed to $126, you're going to get, remember that baloney? Not only is she supposed to be a female pastor, er, can't be. But then there was this whole thing, you sow a seed and get this, and God's going to give you, well, that's called, and this is what we're going to get into tonight. Not only do they have an aberrant belief of female pastors, can't do it, okay, but they have something that's called the prosperity gospel, okay, the prosperity gospel, which is not the gospel, okay, not even close, okay, <clears throat> and it's not going to make you prosperous. Apparently, the only people that this actually works for is the people who are spouting this false teaching, okay, as we saw, they live in lavish mansions and multiple uh, private jets and all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, also, if you're familiar out there, some of the, the phrases, prosperity gospel, maybe you haven't heard that, but there's also, it's called the word faith movement, okay? And it's huge in the charismatic community and has been going on for decades. And we're gonna see that again, Lord willing, tonight. But word faith, and basically what they say is you could, it's the words, that the words come out of your mouth and you apply faith, right, to it and you can create what you want. Untold riches and perfect health and, well, that's Hinduism as we saw many times before that's also new age i was involved in that before i got saved creative visualization you have a god-like power you can create your own reality so that's all they've done they've taken hinduism and new age and slap christianese on it take verses out of context and then it becomes a gimmick to get rich okay uh you might have heard some other terms for it not only prosperity gospel uh maybe it's also word faith okay but you maybe the name it and claim it or the blab it and grab it group, okay, is another uh, phrase that's uh, popular out there. Uh, but little but do people realize that the, obviously this is not only really not true, it certainly is not the gospel. Jesus came to make us wealthy and perfectly healthy? Don't think so, okay? So it's a false gospel, and it's also a false teaching. But this false teaching, believe it or not, has every, every time you turn one of these guys on the TV, you tell me the miracle manna, and you pray this, and you sow a seed to this ministry. God told me to tell you $126 on Psalm 126. That's actually a sign. This is what we don't get. M most of us will say, man, that's false teaching. But we don't realize that's a sign that you're living in the last days. God said these kind of hucksters who would specifically re rip people off in the church of money is a sign you're in the last days. But... As always, don't take my word for it. Open to uh, 2 Peter 2. That's our opening text tonight. 2 Peter 2, right? What did God say would come, <clears throat> not in the world uh, this time, but in the context of the church, right? In the future. How do you know? What's, gonna, what's those days going to look like there, all right? 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and the anointed man of God, John, he's going to give out a big moo when he gets there. Moo, dude, you're, you're on target tonight. This is great. So, but uh, 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3, here's what it says. But there were past, what? False prophets among the people. And listen to what Peter says. Just as there will be, what's that imply? In the future, there will be false teachers among you. Who's he writing to? The church. So where are these false teachers going to be? Not just in the world, in the church. Now, here's what they're going to do. Secretly, right? So what's that imply? Behind the scenes, secretly, they're going to warm their way in, Right? Um, and through uh, various means. They're going to secretly introduce destructive heresies. Listen, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many, who, what? Many. The, who's, the, who's the many in, in, in the context? The church. 
So a bunch of people in the church are going to fall for this baloney. You've got to be kidding me. Many will follow their shameful ways. And listen to this, bring the way of truth into disrepute. Now, that's a big word. Let me break it down for you. That's actually the Greek word blasphemeo. Where do you think we get from that? Blaspheme. So these guys' false teachings and heresies in the church is going to blaspheme God's way, the only way, Jesus Christ, the real gospel, God's truth right? It's, it's blasphemous is what they are doing. Uh, it means to speak evil of. Now listen to this. The world knows that these guys are hucksters. The world knows this is a bunch of baloney and people are getting ripped off. And because we refuse to speak up, you know what the world is doing about the way of truth about Christ? They're mocking it. They're blasphemizing it. They're speaking evil against it because they look at these guys and go, if that's Christianity, you guys are a bunch of baloney. What? And it's exactly what Peter said would happen as a result because these guys continue to get away with it because we don't speak up. And again, we're getting into that eventually. Now, so that's what's going to happen. Then in their what? What's their motive? Greed. It's all about money. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you. Now, now the word exploit is emporeomai. Uh, it's kind of where we get the English word emporium. You go to an emporium and you basically buy stuff, you buy wares, right? And things of that nature. And that's what this word means, to use a person or thing for a gain, just like a product. That, that they're doing all this because you and I are treated like we're in an emporium. You're just a, a, a means to an end. You're a product that exists for only one purpose, to give me money. That's what it says. So that they're gonna exploit you. They don't care about you. You're just a product to give them money. That's why you exist. And they're going to do it with what? Stories they've made up. Well, see, God told me. Let's go back to what we saw last week, right? God told me I was, I was there, and, and he gave me a word. I was, it, it was Psalm 126, and he told me to tell you, you need to sow a seed for 126. But, but, but for some of you, that's $12,600. God told me. That's a story made up. God didn't tell you that. But see, that's what they're doing. It's exactly this verse, isn't it wild? You turn these guys on TV, it's 2 Peter 2. Every, and he even tells you the damage it's going to do. It's all happening. With stories they made up, listen, their condemnation has long been hanging over them. God sees all this, folks. Wouldn't want to be in their camp, right? And their destruction has not been sleeping. Mm -mm. Wouldn't want to be you on judgment day, okay? Uh, but the Bible says in the future, here's a sign that uh, you can expect to see in the church. What you're going to see is not just false teachers, okay, but you're going to see specific false teachers, and these are teachers who it's all about the money, right? It's all about greed. They're exploiting people just like a product. You exist to give me money, and they're doing it. They're ripping people off, not in the world, in the church of their money, and they're doing it with a bunch of stories they made up. Okay, which basically, what did I just describe? I just described to you the bulk of so-called Christian TV, TBN, Daystar, all that baloney that's out there. That's all that stuff that's on there, right? Which, is, which still gets me to this day. I mean, here we have the one and only gospel, the true gospel, and we're doing our best, praise God, to, to get that out, and God's doing great works, right? But these guys are raking in millions and millions and millions, and they own these satellites and these op opportunities to reach the world for Christ, and of all things that they're pumping out, it's this baloney. 
It's crazy, but that's exactly what's going on. People in mass in the church are being led astray. They're being manipulated in the church of their money, and it's a sign we're in the last days, right? We know this is a false teaching, hopefully, especially after tonight's study, right? But how many guys realize that, yeah, just like you're going to see the rise of earthquakes and famines and pestilence and wars, and all, when you see these guys on so-called Christian TV, hey, soul seed to my ministry, if you, I'm going to give you a genuine cornmeal packet, and if you make a cake of bread and eat it and you send a check with me, that's a sign you're in the last days. Right? This is crazy, right? Put two and two together. Now, they do it in a couple of ways, and the biggest thing is they play on people's hope. They give them a false hope. Okay, and typically, as people who are down and out, people are basically poor. So you're not just ripping people off. No wonder it says their condemnation has not been long uh, sleeping. <laughs> uh, but you're ripping poor people off. And you want to do an interesting study? We did that back in the days when I was teaching several years ago through the book of James here. Made it to almost chapter 2. And uh, <laughs> I think I made, maybe, maybe I did make it to chapter 2. But anyway, uh, we saw, man, we did a study on poor. You, you want to... You want to get on God's bad side? Be mean to the poor. Mm. And these guys are ripping them off. It's crazy, man. I wouldn't want to be them. Okay, but let me give you a sampling of just various guys. Of what is the word faith movement? What is this name it and claim it? The blab it and grab it. What is this prosperity gospel thing? Well, here's what they say. Perfect wealth, perfect health, right? But let me give you some actual quotes. This is one, one of the big guys, Jesse Duplantis, which again, he just asks people, he needs a multi-million dollar jet. Uh, and, and we saw that before earlier. But here's what he said. Quote, the very first thing on Jesus' agenda was to get rid of poverty. What? No, it was to get rid of the penalty of sin to rescue us from eternal damnation in hell. Amen for that? Amen. But poverty? Are you kidding me? But again, he came just so you can be perfectly wealthy and perfect. That's a, an abomination. That's blasphemo right? Uh, Frederick Price, here's what he said. The apostles were businessmen. They were rich men and had plenty of money. In fact, I'm going to show you that Jesus was a wealthy man and he had plenty of money. Here's the proof. Ready? Jesus and the disciples were rich because only rich people could take off for three and a half years. Read the scripture. They were supported by other people. Not because he was so rich. He had just a big giant retirement account that he was siphoning off funds. It's ridiculous. John Avanzini, he said, hey, Jesus was handling big money because that treasure he had was a thief, Judas. Uh, now, you can't tell me that a ministry with a treasure that's a, a thief can operate on a few pennies. Mm -mm. It took big money to operate that ministry because Judas was stealing out of that bag. And if you got a treasure, that means you got a lot of money. Every church I've ever pastored had a, a, a treasure. Didn't mean that you got a lot of money. <laughs> I got to do anything with it. Creflo Dollar, interesting last name. Pause for a dramatic effect. All right, let's move on. He said, I'm telling you, Jesus wasn't poor, and he didn't wear no rags either. Mm -mm. Like we march on in these Easter little plays that we do at our church with those raggedy sheets on. Mm -mm. Jesus didn't have no rags on. He wore designer clothes, honey. He became poor for our sakes that we might be rich, not monetarily rich but rich in spiritual blessings. It, it, again, I, I've said it so many times, if all Jesus did was to come and rescue us from eternal damnation and hell, isn't that enough? Right? Man, these guys twist it. Back to this John Avanzini. He said, hey, I'm telling you, I, I agree apparently with Mr. Dollar. Uh, Jesus wore designer clothes. I mean, what else are you going to call it? I mean, you didn't get this stuff he wore off the rack. No, this is custom stuff. Yeah. 
Whatever. Yeah, thank you. They didn't have custom, whatever. Uh, and let's go back to Mr. Dollar. I'm not making this up. He says, but without faith stuff, you have no stuff. Because faith stuff is the stuff of all stuff. You take away the faith stuff, and you ain't got no stuff. You get the faith stuff, and you can get some more of that stuff because now you got the main stuff. Now, did you get all that stuff? Somebody's stuffed all right. There's stuff full of false teaching, right? But again, he's thinking it's his faith. It's a, it's a force. It's like, it's like Hinduism. Shh, 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 shh. Don't, don't say that. We'll call it faith, right? It's the power of your words. And, and you get that faith thing, and, and you apply your, and this is another false teaching we saw before, because you're a little God on this earth, and you could use the power of your faith with the word, and you can create riches. And it's, that's what he's talking about. It's crazy. Straight out of Hinduism, New Age. Uh, Robert Tilton, we'll see a video of him uh, tonight. He says, hey, the only time people were poor in the Bible is when they were under a curse, and being poor is a sin. Really? Wow, that's audacious. Uh, Frederick Price back then, he says, hey, the whole point I'm trying to get you to see, to get you out of this malaise of thinking that Jesus and the disciples were poor, and then relating that to you, he says, listen, the Bible says that he has left us an example that we should follow his steps, Jesus. That's why I drive a Rolls Royce. I'm following in Jesus' steps. Are you serious? They walked wherever they went. Now, if you wanted to say they, they uh, drove a Honda, maybe, because the Bible says that uh, the uh, disciples were all in one accord. Yeah, I'll let that one sit as well. But let's move on. Excuse me. You didn't ride a Rolls Royce. You, come on. Benny Hinn, let's go. Now, that's, that's wealth. The other half of their so-called prosperity gospel is you could have perfect health, right? Here's what Benny Hinn said. Sickness does not belong to you. It has no part in the body of Christ. Sickness does not belong to any of us. The Bible declares that if the word of God is in our life, there will be health, there will be healing, divine health, divine healing. There will be no sickness for the saint of God. That means not even a headache, sinus problem, not even a toothache, nothing. No sickness should come your way. You mean to tell me you've never gone to the hospital, you've never taken cold medicine, never once. Oh, by the way, that picture of Mr. Hinn there was taken ah, maybe about 30 years ago. Have you seen some of his latest pictures? Mm, his face is falling down. What's the matter? He's losing his faith? It's showing on his face. If you've got perfect wealth, then why are we getting older and wrinkly and our bodies are falling? Are you a liar? It's crazy. Kenneth Hagin, listen to what he said. It's the plan of our Father God and his great love and mercy and his great mercy that no believer should ever be sick. Really? Paul said that he left Trophimus sick where he was at. Was it because Paul didn't have enough faith? It's crazy, man. It's, uh, Kenneth Copeland, we're going to see him tonight in a couple of video clips. He says, you begin to meditate. Ooh, interesting choice of words since we're dealing with Hinduistic principles. You begin to meditate on those scriptures until you built. See, remember, you create it in your mind because you have that power. That you built an inner image of yourself healed. Just visualize yourself healed. Again, that's Hinduism, that's New Age. He said, as that image grew more crisp and clear, you begin to expect or hope for that image to become a reality. You'll be expecting the very presence of God to rise up in you so powerfully that instead of believing for healing every six weeks, you'll walk in divine health every day. And again, that's probably a picture at least 30 Years ago, wait till you see the video clip that happened just recently. He don't look like that no more. Apparently, he's not walking in divine healing no more. He's losing his faith, or face, or both. <laughs> 
Marilyn Hickey, I shared, I verbalized this to you, but you got to see this again. This is again, uh, this is what I talked about last week. Here's what she said. Say to your body, your whole body, why you just function so beautifully and so well. Why body, you never have any problems. You're, You're a strong, healthy body. Speak to your leg, speak to your foot, speak to your neck, speak to your back, speak to a psychiatrist. Okay, this is crazy, right? And, and once you've spoken a belief and, and have received, don't go back on it, right? Speak to your wife, speak to your husband, speak to your circumstances, speak faith to them and create in them and God will create what you're speaking. No, he won't. He's not some butler. He's not a cosmic sugar daddy in the sky. Excuse me? He's God, he'll do whatever he wants to do. Now, maybe he'll choose to heal, but just because you speak it and say it, you don't have God-like power. Who do you think you are, God? And that's what they teach. Right? Frederick Price, listen to this. He said, oh this, is, oh, this is sick. He said, how can you glorify God in your body when it doesn't function right? How can you glorify God? How can, you get, how can he get glory when your body doesn't even work? What makes you think the Holy Ghost wants to live inside of a body where he can't see out through the windows and he can't hear with the ears? What makes you think the Holy Spirit wants to live inside of a physical body where the limbs and organs and the cells do not function right? Every person who ever got or has at this moment in life including Johnny Erickson Tata, who's a quadriplegic, who, by the way, God's using in a massive way, globally, in that condition. But everybody in that condition, these hucksters just put a stake in their heart. And you wonder why the way of truth is being blasphemed? You wonder why the world is mocking and laughing? You wonder why there's a falling away? If that's Christianity... There's those wacko Christians again, kids. Stay away from them because all they want is your. Where do you think all this is coming from? Right? Same thing that's going on. Right? They're manipulating people with false hopes. And that false hope is if you do what I say, okay, you'll be fabulously rich. You'll be perfectly healthy. And it's a lie. Now, of course, the catch is, right? Somebody is getting wealthy. It is working for somebody. It's just not the average Joe. It's called these hucksters, these false teachers. See, because the whole catch is this. Here's these techniques. But what do you got to do? You got to give me money in order for it to work. Really? So every time that God chooses to bless us as his children, we have to give money. You're not going to find that in the scripture. Not at all. In fact, let's just get really honest. How many times has God blessed you in spite of you? How many times has God blessed you and made you weep because you know you didn't deserve it and was after some big sin? Let's just get honest. But these guys would just completely do away with that. That's called mercy and God's loving kindness because he loves us as his children. But then they say he won't do it unless you give, not him, them money. Wow. But again, we've got to give them money for these supposed free financial blessings. Anybody see a you know, little oxymoron there? You know, you know what oxymorons are, right? I've said this so many times before. Peaceful war. Icy hot, yummy chicken. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. That's an oxymoron. Now, and here's the game, right? They got code words. You probably, you probably heard of it out there, right? You're, right? You're not just giving money because giving money sounds, that sounds too apparent of what I'm really up to. Can't say that. So, ah, here's what we do. We are sowing a seed of faith. Well, that sounds better, doesn't it? Other than I got to buy a mansion and you are a piece of product that I'm just looking at in an emporium. I'm treating you like nothing and you just exist to give me money. So you know, you're sowing a seed into my ministry. Now, speaking of products, that Greek word emporio, emporium, a product, 
That's another thing they do. See, because when you sow a seed into, not God, into their so-called ministry, which is a, i.e. false teaching, right, then what's going to happen is they're going to give you a product. These guys rely on products. It's called gimmicks. It's called gimmicks or trinkets, okay, but you'll get a product out of it, right? See, they'll treat you like a product, and you get a product in return. But see, that product is a religious luck charm that somehow is going to help accentuate your so-called faith to give you all these riches, now, some of that, and every one of these are legit. Uh, these are examples they have. Right now, you can send off for untold riches and any kind of healing you want, on demand, monetarily. You, you'll get a genuine faith nail. You'll get a prayer cloth. You'll get a prayer candle. You'll get a paper prayer rug. You'll get anointing oil. And I wasn't joking earlier. You'll get a cornmeal miracle packet. And this is the deal. See, you give them money. They give you a product and then supposedly you get a blessing. We've seen this before. Here's some examples. This is why the world laughs and mocks and God's way is being blasphemed and disrepute. Let's take a look at some so-called Christian TV. Let's take a look. Financial trouble. Do you need a miracle of God? Well, I want to rush you one of my anointed prayer hangers in the mail, absolutely free of charge. Ever since I used it, my neck stopped hurting. My whole body started feeling good. Not only physically, but also financially. By bringing my mortgage up to date, that was three months behind. And guess what? This is real. This is the anointing and the spirit of God endeavoring to break the curse of poverty and those generational curses off of you and your home and your life and your business. Call for this biblical point of contact and get into position to receive God's best for you and your loved ones. Every bite from this heavenly cake, you'll feel empowered and encouraged to move into all that God has for you. Take the first step to a new life. Call the number on your screen and get your free packet of the Miracle Manna Bread today. Today, take him as your senior partner. Make a thousand dollar vow of faith. And as God begins to provide, listen to me, and as God begins to multiply, that's all, I'm, that's all God's saying. He will just keep it watered. Don't eat your seed. Fulfill your vow. I see many letters coming to you. Oh, I feel the anointing of God. But God! The cause miracles that happen in your life. Money is coming to you. That's right. Miracle money. Divine transfers. I want to show you how to get yourself into a position so that you can receive. I can feel it, though. I can feel it. Yeah, I can feel myself getting ripped off. Can you believe this? This is crazy, folks. And, and again, we, we laugh at it, but it's sad when you think about this. And again, 2,000 years ago, what did the Apostle Peter write down? What's going to come in the future in the church? False teachers, they're going to exploit you. They're going to rip you off. They're going to blaspheme God's way. And it's all going to be about what? Money. It's going on all over the place, okay? But that's not all. Uh, when you follow the secret formula on how to pray for your financial blessing or healing, whatever, they promise, okay, because here's the deal. They're, they're hooked on this uh, mathematical formula that God will bless you, hey, not even just 10 times, but 100-fold, that's right, right? So if you give a dollar, he'll give you $100, 
right? You give it 10, you get to keep, it just, excuse me? So, so that's what God does. He works on this divine mathematical formula that it's always going to be 10 times, 100 times, whatever. After you, again, don't even give it to God. Don't give it to your local church. It's got to go to these guys. But that's what they're doing. These guys are not seeking Jesus Christ. They're not encouraging people to seek Jesus Christ. They're encouraging people, listen, to follow even what they're doing, and it's called greed. They're seeking not Jesus Christ, they're seeking cash, and they're encouraging people to do it. But again, in order for these people to do it, these guys don't have to invest squat, okay? They trick people into giving them their money. It's crazy. They're the only ones that are getting rich. They're not seeking God. They're seeking so-called great health, and it's a method they've come up with to rip people off in the last days. Now, what's even sad about that is this is not like going on. It's clearly a false teaching. It's a sign that we're living in the last days, but they have a backdoor policy, because there are people that have come and they don't know better. Maybe they're young Christians or unfortunately, maybe they are Christians, but they, they have never been discipled because they're never really taught the word of God, right? As we saw, that's one of the downplays of much of the charismatic movement. It's all about experience and low on getting into the Bible, okay? So I'm not saying they're not saved. They, and maybe they are hurting. Maybe they are going through a financial crisis. Maybe they do have health problems and they don't know any better. So they go to these guys and guess what? Nothing happens. And then you know what these guys, these hucksters, have the audacity to do it's not their fault it's you because either you've got some secret sin that you didn't confess or you didn't apply enough faith or you didn't sow a big enough seed into my ministry now that's sick right so when it doesn't work you blame it on the person that you just ripped off who's typically the poor and the needy Mm, don't want to be you on Judgment Day, okay? Now, and again, this is why not just the uh, non-Christian is laughing and mocking, uh, but this is a big turnoff. I, I could tell you stories of people who early on in their walk with Jesus Christ, they didn't know better. Was anybody a greenhorn when they first got saved? Raise your hand. Those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're a liar, okay? But anyway, yeah, we didn't know. You just, you know, that's what brother so-and-so did or sister so-and-so or the church you first went to, that's what they taught. And you, you just kind of go along until you get into the Bible and you're going like, okay, that's not really what's right. But, you know, but anyway, so, you, you know, you, you kind of go along with this and you're thinking, well, okay, is, is this really what it is? And, well, some people get snookered into this. I know born-again Christians who've gotten caught into this gospel of greed, prosperity gospel, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, okay, all this stuff. And they got caught into this. And guess what? After a while, they realized, wow, this is just a sham. Now, some keep moving forward, but some get so disgruntled that they never really get to, they never swing back. I'm not saying lose your salvation because you can't, but they get so hurt by these guys' behavior that not only it is a horrible witness to the lost, even they know better, and they laugh and they mock and they blaspheme, but it hurts the church. And some of them just don't ever really get active in serving Christ anymore because they're so hurt, right? These guys are to blame for this, all right? But the Bible's clear. Let's just give you a little teaser. Is this, does the Bible teach us that we are guaranteed this side of heaven that we are guaranteed perfect wealth to the point where you're a millionaire like these guys, multiple millionaire like these guys, uh, and that you will always have divine health every day, is they're saying? Is that what's... No, let me just give you a quick little teaser here of the scripture. Uh, Psalm 34, 19, a righteous man may have many troubles. How many troubles? Many. many. Oh, and, and an evil man? No, a righteous man. You're going to have troubles. 
But the good news is God will deliver you from them all, but you're going to you're have them. Remember Daniel, right? God could have took him around the lion's den. He could have took him over the lion's den, but he went into the lion's den, but he wasn't alone. But he was in the lion's den. All right? So we see that. Uh, Isaiah 48, see, I have refined you, not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of what? Happiness and joy, living in a mansion. No, affliction. Uh, Matthew 5, let's get into the New Testament. Jesus said, blessed are those who are what? Wearing Armani suits, living a lavish lifestyle, riding around in jets. No, persecuted. Why? Because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and they persecute you and they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, Jesus. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward. Now, what would these guys say? You ain't got enough faith. You got some secret sin. You better sow a bigger seed. That's why you're going through this hard time. Oh, and that money needs to come my way. And Jesus said, ah, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward where? In heaven, not here. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, Matthew 24, 9. Then you're going to be handed over and be persecuted. And what? Put to death. Why? Because you don't have enough faith? You didn't lay down on that cornmeal miracle packet? You didn't smear it on your head and sow a seed? No. Uh, and you're going to be hated by all nations because of me. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 12. You, however, know all about my teaching, Paul says, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, and sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone, how many? Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be what? It's going to happen right? Acts 14, 21, 22, they preached the good news in that city, won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. Why? Here's with their message. Here's their message of encouragement. We must go through, mm, mm, mm. Mary, I can't say it because, because see, I, I, I'm, been, I'm working on my seed and, and I, I've already proclaimed it and I can't go back on it. Right? Because if I go back on it, if I say that I'm, I'm, my body's ill, I'm going to get ill. Heresy. You must go through many hardships to end the kingdom of God. That was the encouraging word. These guys would call that a false teaching. Can you see how twisted this is? Philippians 1.29, for it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but to what? Suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here that I, I still have. Right? Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Woohoo! See, we usually stop right there. Yeah, I want to know the power of God and Christ's resurrection and the fellowship of sharing his sufferings. <laughs> Becoming like him in his death. In his death. Right there. All right, let's move on to the next verse. First Peter 5.9, resist him who? The devil, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the whole world. What's going on? They're undergoing the same kind of sufferings. All right, it's universal. First Peter 4, 12 through 13. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the what? Painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. It's not a lack of faith. It's not because you didn't stand on that cornmeal miracle packet, right? It's not because you dropped that faith nail. It's not because you didn't sow a big enough seed. It's going to happen as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. The Bible says, guess what? This is not heaven. Heaven comes later. And we're promised the good news that while, yes, we're going to be persecuted, you're going to have hardships, especially if you really live for Jesus, because does the world like that? 
Don't think so. So it's going to happen. And plus, we still have the sin nature. We're still on the cursed planet. So if you live longer, your body falls apart. It's going to happen, right? If the rapture doesn't happen 100% of the time throughout all human history, this is one of the easiest things to verify. Do you know how Christians get to heaven? Turn to somebody and say this encouraging word. You're going to die. Yeah. And again, as the one guy said, I'm going to make the last thing I do. Okay. But seriously, it's going to happen. Well, you shouldn't die because you are walking in divine health every day. If you just sow a seed to my ministry and if you cornmeal, cornmeal on your head. If the rapture doesn't happen, your body's going to fall apart. It's going to happen. And you're going to die. But then you get to the place where there is no sin. The streets are made of gold. It's going to be awesome. But that's later. That's not here. These people are ripping people off of their cash. Now, this is wild, right? There's a, a plethora of examples we saw. i just give you some highlights that we are going to suffer as Christians. But one of these Word of Faith teachers, Kenneth Copeland, he had the audacity to say this statement about God. That God is the biggest failure. I got the audio tape. I've quoted it before, but here's the audio. This, it, what's the scripture say? Their condemnation has not long been sleeping. I'll stand over here. But watch this one. This is crazy. I was shocked when I found out who the biggest failure in the Bible actually is. Okay. You know, everybody asks, you say, who's the biggest failure? They say, Judas. Somebody else will say, no, I believe it's Adam. Well, how about the devil? He's the most consistent failure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but he's not the biggest in terms of material failure and so forth. The biggest one in the whole Bible is God. Hmm. Oh, what, what, what? Don't you turn that set off. You listen to it. You, I told you now, you sit still a minute. You know me well enough. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell something that I can't prove with the Bible. He lost his top-ranking, most anointed angel, the first man he ever created, first woman he ever created, the whole earth and all the fullness therein, a third of the angels at least. That's a big loss, man. I mean, you figure all that, that's a lot of real estate, brother. Gone down the drain. Now, the reason you don't think of God as a failure is he never said he's a failure. <laughs> because he's not, but you say he is, and you're laughing about it. What's that? Let me quote that. And their condemnation has not been long hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. You guys are just stacking it up. And again, the irony is, again, I don't have times. So we've seen other video clips of Benny Hinn, the other guys. They live in not just houses. They live in lavish mansions. And when they travel, they stay at hotel rooms $10,000 a night or more. They drive not just cars, but expensive Cadillacs. And not just Cadillacs, but SUV Cadillacs. They have multiple million-dollar jets. Not just million-dollar jets, but now multiple jets, okay? And again, you'll be happy to know this just came out hot off the press. Uh, Inside Edition ran and caught Kenneth Copeland when he's just getting ready to get into his car. And uh, he, they said, can you, can you justify why you're flying around in these jets and you don't fly commercial like everybody else, you know? And uh, he said on record that uh, he doesn't want to fly around in a tube full of demons. 
They called him on it. Watch this. And watch his, his eyes. Oh, here you go. Something weird's going on. Watch this. Again, getting back to the comment, you said that you don't like to fly commercial because you don't want to get into a tube with a bunch of demons. Do you really believe that human beings are demons? No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Can and you explain what you meant by that, yes. that, by that term then? Yes. Just, just explain, because it's really simple. You said you didn't want to get into a tube with a bunch of demons. What did you mean? The, well, let me ask you. Do you think that let people that fly commercial are demons? If you give me a chance to talk, sweetheart, I'll explain this to you. But it's a biblical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It doesn't have anything to do with people. People, I love people. Jesus loves people. But people get pushed in alcohol. Do you think that's a good place for a preacher to be and prepare to go preach to a lot of people when somebody in there is dragging some woman down an aisle? It made me so mad to see that on television. I wanted to punch the guy out myself. I can't be doing that while I'm getting ready to preach. So you just don't like to be around the sinful people or the, the hurtful people. Is that what you're saying? Not the people, baby. Not the people. Back during the days, we couldn't do anything else. We had to travel commercial. Hot off the press, man. Just got caught big time. I wish I had time to share with you. I got more to go, uh, but the rest of the interview, it just he just stammered and stumbled, and she wouldn't let it go. You're trying to justify this. You just don't want to be around people. You want your own private jet, right? So last time I checked that sometimes so when you fly in commercial, which is what I fly on all the time, you get to witness to people. That's a good thing. And sometimes, yeah, you get to that kid that just keeps doing that thing in the back of the seat, right? But it teaches you patience, develops your character, Right? There's positive things that could happen in that tube full of demons. But that's not what it's about. It's crazy. Hey, did you guys know that the Apostle Peter was profoundly used by God? And to my knowledge, he never once owned an Armani suit. He didn't drive a single Cadillac. Did you guys know that? Did you know that the Apostle Paul didn't have his own private jet, and yet he was used of God mightily throughout his time and his culture? Did you know that there's no record of any of the apostles chanting some verse over and over again uh, to increase the size of their ministry? But they followed Jesus Christ faithfully every day, suffering in all, proclaiming the one and only true gospel, and God used them in a powerful way. Tube of demons and all. And what we do have, though, from the apostle Peter is he clearly warned us that this kind of monetary manipulation would come in the church in the last days by false teachers, and it's all about greed. Church, our silence on this is not helping anything. And the reason why I bring this up is because the ones who've been doing this and provide this sewer pipe of false teaching of greed is coming straight out of this movement. This is another one of their aberrant beliefs. Not just female pastors, but this whole prosperity gospel. This is where it came from. And it's been going on for a long time. 
And it still blows me away. How could this be going on for a long time? And every generation of Christians that says, man, this is crazy. These guys are false teachers. But how do these guys keep going? Because churches don't speak up and kick them out and call them for what it is. But it's been going on for a long time. In fact, it's been a while since we've seen this. I'm going to share with you this clip by a guy named uh, Marjo Gortner. And he was a charismatic evangelist, okay, and he got disgruntled. His dad, back in the day, and this was like late 60s, early 70s, uh, he had amassed like several million dollars, $3 million. His dad ripped him off. He got disgruntled. He goes back on the road, and he creates a documentary showing that the whole thing was fake, and he didn't even believe in God. But he exposes the charismatic techniques, and it's all fake. At least he was honest enough to admit it. But let's watch this. Like when I would say Jesus, my arms would have to go out to when I would say the devil, I would go forward. And she had this incredible set of signals there. Like if she would say, oh, Jesus, if I was going too slow or if she said glory to God, you know, that meant you better speed up and go a little bit faster. Then later on, they came up with more signals like praise God meant, you know, you've got the people where you need them. You better take an offering and raise some money. Oh, God is so real tonight. If you can't feel the Holy Ghost tonight, man, you're dead and you don't know it. So why don't you praise Him? Why don't you call upon His name? Why don't you worship the Lord tonight? Oh, lift up your hands and praise Him. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, oh Right. Say Jesus. 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 Say Jesus
the experience where you say you're saved. Then there's the fire baptism when you get the Holy Ghost, and that's the tongues thing. And they love to work people over. You've got to, like, shoot in on this. When you see people gathering around people and start laying hands on and praying with someone, you've got to, like, come in with the camera, too. It's very important because they'll be laying hands on someone, and the poor person will be saying, you know, thank you, Jesus. Now, this is a person that's already saved, but they're getting the baptism. And someone will be standing there going, you know, and the poor person will be standing there and they're not saying anything. Then after a while, about four or five more will gather around and they'll start doing the same thing. You know, come on, speak it out, speak it out. Until all of a sudden, the person will, you know, get so over well, by the thing that they start going, you know, and the next thing, you know, oh, that's it, you've got it, like they feel good, we've got another one, you know. Then they'll go on to the next person. I said, are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Thank you, Jesus, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Jesus is so good to me tonight, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, I praise the Lord. Oh, glory, glory, hallelujah. I feel good in my soul. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, sure isn't as heavy as it used to be, though, in the old days. Wow. There's, there's one guy that gets into it so heavy that he's into, he prophesies. And he told me how he did it. He sat right, I mean, he looked right across the table, back and forth at me. And, and he told me how, you know, how he confiscates money. He says he's on this station, it's over 40 states, and uh, he'll go on there and he'll be, get on the radio and he'll say, I know that listening to my little voice tonight, that there's some lady out there and you've got $10 put away in a cookie jar. Now God spoke to my heart and told me to go and tell you to get that $10 and get it in the mail and send it to me and God will bless you. God will give you a reward such as you have never known before. Then he comes back to me and he tells me, he says, if you're on the radio and you're going over 40 states and you're on at prime time and got thousands of people listening, the chances are that there are at least two or three hundred little old ladies who've got a $10 bill in a cookie jar. And so if you even get, you know, if a couple hundred go over and get it and send it to you, that's two grand that you've made just like that. And so, you know, if you're going to get into big time religion, this is the games you've got to play, things like that. It's a, it's a, you go into it as a business and you work it as a business, you know. do something for you then I'll turn around to the crowd and I'll say everyone do you believe it and you know everyone say yes you know I said that's not enough that there's no faith here tonight I can't do anything you've got to believe it and I go do you believe it again then by this time the crowds go yes and I'll say sister as I lay my hands on you it's going to happen by this time you're just like this you know because <laughs> I do a whole thing on you then, you know, I sort of like get down to now I'm going to pray the prayer and everyone bow your heads. And all of a sudden, they go, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, this time that the shock doesn't get you. you know? How do you feel? Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. This is God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then 
once you get one or two, once that you get one or two that really come off and say, yeah, I really felt that, you know, I had a bad back, I had a bad leg, then there's a whole slew that say, oh, yeah, I feel better, too, because like 90% of it's psychosomatic. I feel better, yeah. In other words, it's a bunch of baloney. But the reason why that video is that quality, because that came out in the early 70s. He exposed the whole thing, the whole racket. He was there, okay, and he exposed the whole thing. My question is, why has it continued since then? How is that not enough proof to say, wow, I guess I should have been sticking with the Bible. Second Peter 2 told me this is a sign I'm living in the last days. These guys would come, hucksters. And by the way, he didn't even know Jesus. He's not saved and he's doing this. Do you think some of these other guys are in the same spiritual shape? Oh, they say Jesus. They say hallelujah, right? They put their hand on people's forehead, but they surely always take an offering too, don't they? It's crazy. Now, the reason why, to answer that question, I think the reason why it's continued on. Oh, and by the way, some of these guys, and we talked about this before in our study, uh, a gentleman like uh, Peter Popoff, right? He was uh, caught and exposed, okay, uh, even on uh, Johnny Carson. For, and then he went belly up overnight. He's now back in full force. I'm going, like, how do you, so here's a guy, how do you make it past this expose with this documentary by Marjo? And then he kept going, but then he got caught. And then how does he come? Because the church refuses to speak up. And not just refuses to speak up, it, we're a bunch of chicken livers when it comes to name calling. But the Bible says you need to call them out by name. And this is what they say oh, don't you dare. We've, we've already dealt with this before. Don't you dare talk about God's anointed. Well, you ain't got God's anointing. I don't even know if you're even saved. But you don't t you talk about God's anointed man. Who do you think you are? You shouldn't talk about other ministers. Well, you ain't ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a false gospel. But if you read the Bible, you see that a pastor, a shepherd, is not only one who reads the scripture. You don't just feed the sheep. A shepherd protects the sheep. A shepherd carries a staff for a reason. <laughs> You call them out. That's a wolf. Bang. That's a wolf. And you call them out by name. But these guys who are running this sham have conditioned us to keep you. Oh, you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't call names out. That's not right. That's not Christian. Excuse me? What Bible are you reading? It's actually the bad pastor who keeps his mouth shut. The good pastor, in fact, Paul instructing young pastor Timothy said, you better call them out by name, Right? Because how else are people going to know? Well, see, there's this guy out there, and he's doing this thing, and you need to be careful of this thing that he's doing because he's out there doing it. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor. Well, I feel well protected now. No, you call him out by name. Again, this is what the Scripture says, 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them you might uh, fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some, though, have rejected these, and so they've shipwrecked their faith. Among them are, hey, don't call out a name because that's not Christian. You shouldn't call out people names. And, and, and. What's he say? Among them are what? Hymenaeus and Alexander. Paul called them out by name. Two false teachers whom I've handed over to who? Satan taught not, there's your word, blasphemeo. Taught not to blaspheme. Same thing's going on here, folks. Okay, but let's continue on. 2 Timothy 2, 16 through 18. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are, whoop, who gets it a second time? Hymenaeus, but now he adds a third character. False teacher, Philetus, who've what? They've wandered away from the truth. What have these gospel of greed people done? They've wandered away from the truth, or they might be in marginal spiritual condition. They've never known the truth. 
But you got to call them out. They say that the resurrection, Paul said, has already taken place. And they what? Destroy the faith of some. And because they destroy the faith of some, you have to call them out. And that's what's going on. Even the apostle John, right? Third John 1, 9 through 10. I wrote to the church, but who calls them out? Diotrephes, who loves to be first, he'll have nothing to do with this. So if I come, I will what? Call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. So here we have the apostle uh, 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 Paul and the apostle John. They're calling people out by name. That's not counting even Jesus, Matthew 23. That's a scorcher. What's he calling out and who's he calling out in public with exclamation points? The Pharisees that were leading people astray. He called them a bunch of blind men, you blind fools, you blind guides, you brood of vipers, you band of murderers, you, you bag of dead man's bones, and you're a bunch of hypocrites. And he did it loudly and he did it in public. But you shouldn't do that. That's not Christian. That's why these hucksters are getting away with this, even though they've been exposed multiple times, right? And basically what we need is we need men, okay, behind the pulpit, and dare I say, just any Christian and you need to call these guys for what they are. I like what this guy called them. He called them prosperity pimps. Watch this. And you listen to me, every one of you prosperity preachers. Jesus Christ did not die on a cross. He did not take the stripes on his back. He did not take a crown on his head. His side was not pierced that we may drive Rolls Royces and buy $12,000 dogs and live in $40 million homes. But he died on a cross to save mankind from the power of sin and the grip of darkness. And shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. Man's problem is not what kind of suit he wears or what kind of house he lives in or what kind of house he drives or car he drives. Man's problem is sin and man needs a savior and that savior is Jesus Christ. There must be a reformation of the cross. There must be a reformation of the, oh, you're not getting it. I said there must be a reformation of the cross. The church must come back for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The church must have a reformation of Christ and him crucified. I'm angry, I'm mad, I'm tired of God's people being fleeced. We, listen, you better hang on and buckle your seatbelts. We don't need any more prosperity pimps leading the church into spiritual idolatry. said we don't need any more prosperity pimps leading the church down a primrose path of destruction we don't need any more snake oil salesmen we need men of god who will stand behind a pulpit and preach the gospel
I'm going to say it again. If you're preaching that lie of the greed, you are a prosperity pimp. I said, if your gospel is the gospel of greed, you're a prosperity pimp. And you're going to stand before God and give an account for every single message that you preached on that. Souls are dying and going to hell. And you're prostituting the word of God. Men are bound by alcohol and you're prostituting the word of God. Homosexuals bound and dying in their sin and you're prostituting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Prosperity pimps. Let me tell you what's going on. And let me tell you what's going to happen. Jesus said, when he walked into the temple, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. You are thieves. And I remind you what happened. He cleaned the place out, and he's going to clean the place out again. Your day is numbered. Your day is numbered. Your day is numbered. He's about ready to turn over those tables. He's about ready to throw you out. My house shall be called a house of prayer where people can get saved, not have success seminars. I'm sick and tired of preachers saying we don't want Kmart Christians in this church they won't they don't want you but Jesus wants you I don't care if you ain't got shoes on your feet Jesus wants you I don't care if you ain't got two dimes for your head Jesus wants you I don't care if you don't know where your next meal is coming from Jesus wants you Tonight are the preachers that will stand up and take a stand. Where are they? We need Jeremiah's. We need some Daniels. We need some Isaiah's. We need some Jehoshaphat's. We need some David's. We need some Hezekiah's that says, I'm sick and tired of a dirty temple. It's time to clean it up. Amen and amen. That's what we need to speak up. Don't fall for the lie that somehow you're doing somebody a favor by not calling them out. Call them out. 
deal with this. God's people is being ripped off. These are thieves. It's a simer in the last days. And it's not the gospel. It's a perversion. We have to speak up. I'll get to that in a second. But let me, let me quote, because I got one more video I want to share. But let me quote what this guy says. He said, and I, I like his words too. He said, prosperity pimp. This guy says, it makes me sick. He said, I don't know what you feel about the prosperity gospel, the health and wealth and prosperity gospel. I'll tell you what I feel about it. Hatred. Because it's not the gospel. It's being exported from our country, the United States of America, all over the world, to Africa, to Asia, selling a bill of goods to the poorest of the poor. Believing this message, they say, your pigs won't die. Your wife won't have miscarriages. You'll have rings on your fingers and coats on your back. That's coming out of America. The people that ought to be given our money and our time and our lives, instead, they're selling a bunch of blank called the prosperity gospel. Here's the reason why it's so horrible. When was the last time that any American, African, Asian ever said, Jesus is all satisfying because you drove a BMW? Never. They'll say, well, well, Jesus gave you that. Well, I'll take Jesus. Well, that's a fake Jesus. That's idolatry. That's not the gospel. That's elevating gifts above the giver. I'll tell you what makes Jesus look so beautiful. It's when you smash your car and your little girl goes flying through the windshield and lands dead on the street. And then you say through the deepest possible pain, God is enough. Remember Horatio Spafford lost all his family, his girls? He's the one that pinned, it is well with my soul, over the watery grave of his wife and I think four daughters. He said, that's what the deepest possible pain, you say God is enough. He is good. He will take care of us. He will satisfy us. He will get us through this. He is our treasure. Whom have I in heaven but you? On earth there is nothing that I desire besides you, God. My flesh and, 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 and my heart may fail. My little girl may fail, but you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's what makes God look glorious. As God, not as the giver of cars or safety or health or perfect wealth, and he says, oh, I pray that America would be purged of the health and wealth and prosperity gospel and that the Christian church would be marked by suffering for Christ. God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him in the midst of hard times and loss, not prosperity. In other words, we're losing our witness. And I'll close with this. It not only is a sign we're living in the last days, it's not only a false gospel, a false teaching, it's not only sad, it's sick, and it's a horrid witness to the lost. And that's what I want to close with. This just came out, and this is from a guy named John Oliver. I think he's with HBO. I don't certainly recommend. I had to delete a lot of expletives. But even the lost knows that this is a bunch of baloney. And even though they know this is a travesty, but because we're not doing anything about it, we're not speaking up about it, they're mocking us. They're blaspheming God's way. Because, see, we all, as Christians, get lumped into those guys. The world doesn't know the difference. But they know enough to know that these guys are a bunch of hucksters. Watch this. This is about the churches who exploit people's faith for monetary gain. And when I say that, you probably think of 1980s televangelists like this guy. I'm just getting into a prophetic vein. Someone with a digestive tract problems. Quickly call. We've seen midgets grow. We've seen arms and legs that stop growing because of growth cells that stop. I don't make this stuff up. <laughs> please, please. 
You can't say I don't make this stuff up just five seconds after you said the words Manda Kasabasanda. <laughs> that man is Robert Tilton, and though he, like many televangelists, was caught up uh, in an expose decades ago, he never really went away. Now, though you may not be aware of it, televangelism is still thriving in this country, and Robert Tilton is just a very small part of it. There are several large media networks devoted to televangelism, including Trinity, Inspiration Ministries, and Daystar. And the preachers that appear on them can have incredible lifestyles. Just earlier this year, a man named Creflo Dollar got people's attention with a bold request. Pastor Creflo Dollar of the World Changers Church International facing harsh criticism after starting a fundraising campaign to buy this $65 million luxury private jet. If I want to believe God for a $65 million plane, you cannot stop me. You cannot stop me from dreaming. And that's partly because they preach something called the prosperity gospel, which argues that wealth is a sign of God's favor and donations will result in wealth coming back to you. Th that idea sometimes takes the form of seed faith, the notion that donations are seeds that you will one day get to harvest. Uh, let me show you that in action. The size of your seed will determine the size of your harvest. I don't understand why, but there's something happens at a level where people step into faith and give a thousand dollars that don't happen at other levels. You're going to have a breakthrough through this $273 seed. All you've got is $1,000. Listen, that's not enough money anyway to buy the house. You're trying to get in the apartment. You're trying to buy the house. That's not enough money anyway. You get to that phone and you put that seed in the ground and watch God work it out. The, the, the argument is, sow your money in the ground and you will reap returns multiple times over. Except, as an investment, you'd be better off burying your money in the actual ground because at least that way there is a chance your dog may dig it up and give it back to you one day. Good boy. But, but it can get even more predatory, because if, say, you don't have $1,000 or perhaps have significant credit card debts, Seed Faith can still work for you. I have a feeling that somebody that wants a credit card debt wiped out, that if you'll use your faith as you sow, as you sow the 1000 on a credit card, as you use your faith, as you use your faith, God's going to wipe out your credit card indebtedness. Think about that. That is the equivalent of saying the key to you losing weight lies at the bottom of this giant Costco bulk bag of peanut butter M&Ms. Go find it. It's definitely down there. And all of this, all of this would be amusing if the targets of these messages were not often vulnerable people like Bonnie Parker. She did not seek medical treatment for cancer, instead choosing to sow money into Kenneth Copeland's church. And I'll let her daughter pick it up from there. I started finding notebooks. No longer she passed away. She believed, and I know she believed, because it's in the notebooks, that if she sowed enough seed, which was money, um, the, the greater amount of seed that you sow, according to them, um, the better chance you have, the better chance you have of getting healed. At this point, I think it's clear that seed faith is the most disgusting seed-based concept. Look at Robert Tilton. If you ever send him a donation, you cannot imagine what happens. And luckily, you don't have to imagine because, and we should probably come clean here, <laughs> we have been involved in a correspondence with Robert Tilton's church for the last seven months to try and find out 
what he tells people. So settle in, because this gets incredible. Back in January, I sent him $20 and a letter asking to be added to his mailing list. Within two weeks, he sent me a letter back thanking me for my donation and claiming, I believe that God has supernaturally brought us together. <laughs> and supernatural is a bit of a stretch. I saw him on television and I sent him some money. He wasn't my dead lover who came back to help me with some pottery. <laughs> but soon afterwards, he sent me a second letter and inside there was a $1 bill, which was exciting until I saw the inscription instructing me to send it back to him with your best prove God tithes or offering. That's right, I had to send the $1 back with an additional recommended offering of $37, which I did. So, at this point, we're just two letters in, and already it's like having a pen pal who's in deep with some loan sharks. <laughs> this correspondence continued back and forth, like this, until March, when he sent me three small packets of coloured oil that I was instructed to pour on letters and send back to him by specific dates, along with more money. So I did that. And in April, I got a letter in a manila envelope with the message, check enclosed, and I thought, fantastic, I've seeded and I've seeded and I've seeded, here comes my harvest. Then I open it, and this is true, it was a check for $5 from me, made out to Pastor Tilton's church. This went on for seven more letters, and then he sent me a piece of fabric in the shape of some mountains. I assumed at this point I'd somehow reached the mountain level. And surprise, surprise, he asked me to send those mountains back to him with some more money again. So I did. And then he sent me another letter with another single dollar bill inside. He told me to put that dollar bill in my Bible for one night and then send it back the next day with 49 more dollars. <laughs> so that he can have it blessed with oil and send me a $1 bill back that has been blessed, adding, I must warn you not to rob God with your tithes and offerings. And then for emphasis, I can't urge you enough, do not let this $1 bill stay in your house. The letters kept on coming. I received another oil packet, more prayer cloths, and even, and this is true, an outline of his foot, which I was asked to trace my foot on and mail back to him with more money. So. As of tonight, I have sent him $319 and received 26 letters. That's almost one a week. And again, this is all hilarious until you imagine these letters being sent to someone who cannot afford what he's asking for. So at this point, I was getting pretty angry and looking for a sign of what to do. So I watched a little more Robert Tilton and the most amazing thing happened. There's a person watching me and you've been very frustrated with your purpose in life. That might be me, Bob, because <laughs> I'm extremely frustrated right now, as it seems my purpose in the last seven months has been to send you money through the mail. It's funny, but even as the lost admit, it's not when you think about what it's doing to people. And not only what it's doing to people, but it's a false gospel. It's leading the lost away from Christ. Why? Because what did Peter say in that passage? This behavior from these hucksters, this greedy gospel of greed, this false teaching, is bringing the way of God into disrepute, blasphemeo, which means to speak evil of. That's what it's doing and that's what we need to speak up and declare no more. Amen? Let's pray. 
Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven. I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. 
Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know, it's actually on historical record, that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so, even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you could be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.